WGNS, Murfreesboro. Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, it's been a long week, folks. Uh, we don't even know where to start this week. Uh, it seems like it's uh, last Sunday. Seems like it was several months ago. I hope uh, the crowd uh, enjoyed our uh, two-part interview with J.T. Cooper, who is a big Trump supporter. But we're we're ready to move back to the center left here. So we've invited our frequent flyer, Mr. Andy Dickey, has come back to talk about uh, several things. Andy, welcome back to the Man in the Middle podcast. Glad to be here. Well, we appreciate it, Andy. First off, I saw your editorial to the Murfreesboro Post regarding the new proposed Vanderbilt Hospital. Uh, for those of those, uh, for those folks listening for the first time, Vanderbilt has purchased a large piece of property uh, on Veterans and 840 in Rutherford County, on the western side of the county. Uh, they've proposed building a 135 million dollar hospital. And uh, it was recently denied by the Tennessee Health Commission, which uh, issues uh, this famous thing we're now, we now know as a certificate of need in this area. Andy, talk about your editorial. I think obviously you disagree with this decision. You would like to see Vanderbilt build their hospital here. Um, talk about that a little bit for me, Andy. Yeah, thank, and thanks for having me on again, Stephen, to talk about this. I, I really appreciate it. I think... I've mentioned this on your show before, but this is a, a, a personal issue, healthcare in this house. We lost my sister-in-law in 2012, coming up on the uh, the ninth anniversary of her passing away from having the flu and not having health insurance. Um, and again, if I had known that at the time, I would have moved heaven and earth to get her to the doctor. But she thought she thought she could tough it out. So. Healthcare in general, whether it's insurance or access to hospitals, is a hot topic at this house. It's the reason why we moved um, back to Tennessee. And, of course, it's a bit interesting watching the developments with the president because my sister-in-law was in Manassas, Virginia, which is right up the road or, sorry, right down the road uh, from Walter Reed. So um, serious business. So down to the topic, I think the interesting thing about this is that it's just how quiet all the local officials are. When I say local officials, I mean city government, county government, state legislative delegation, those kind of folks. Because of the size, as you mentioned, it's a $134 million acute care facility, uh, which would be a huge construction project in and of itself, uh, but also the jobs that it creates forever. So when I read the news that this state health service and development agency was not going to issue a certificate of need. Uh, I thought my head was going to explode <laughs> just because my house sits walking distance from that site. So, and I think for us as a family, we were sort of on a personal level, it would really stink to have it there because of the ambulances and all of that stuff. But on a community level, I think that it's something that the community needs. We would be happy to, to tough that out, the ambulances in the middle of the night and that kind of stuff. 
if it meant our neighbors could get health care. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you really touched on something, Andy, that we haven't heard a lot crickets really silence from our local elected officials regarding Vanderbilt's proposal. And of course, knowing the political side of this a little bit, you and I both do. St. Thomas, for those of once again, for those that don't know, St. Thomas Healthcare has built a large hospital here recently. They've recently just expanded it. They've been a fantastic corporate citizen here in Rutherford County, and so I can understand why some of our elected officials may feel hesitant uh, when they've probably gotten tons of support from the folks at St. Thomas in the past. However, to your point, uh, and and of course, St. Thomas participates in a lot of charitable events around town, a lot of sponsorships for various organizations. But to your point, Andy, what this would do, not only for the people of Tennessee who would have a choice when it comes to health care, which we hear a lot from the other side about the ideology towards health care from the Republicans and those on the right seems to be the free market. And this is a great demonstration of free market economics by allowing Vanderbilt to come in here. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think most people, it, it, it shocks them to learn when I tell them that if you, even if you're Vanderbilt, if you want to build a hospital, uh, you need to get the approval of this agency, right. the people that sit on this board. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not capitalism. That's I called it in the, in the, the letter to the editor, gangster capitalism, right. which was probably just me being a bit of a hothead. Uh, but, you know, if the shoe fits, I think... <laughs> It's really car- a cartel system, you know that. Yes. What they're doing is that's how the and they're running the healthcare system in in Tennessee like the NFL, where the owners just kind of get together and decide who gets to do what. I think it should be pointed out that the people of uh, St. Thomas are only doing their job, right? right? HCA is only doing their job, or TriStar, as it's known by a lot of people. They actually went to the agency and fought against the hospital and, and said, "We really don't want." We really don't want it there. But again, that's their job. If, if the state's going to create this mechanism and there's a way that they can go and lobby to stop competition from coming in, uh, why not? I think all of this is against the backdrop of the state's refusal to expand Medicaid uh, the, through the ACA, which is also known as Obamacare. And we've paid the price. Several hundred thousand Tennesseans continue to go without health insurance as a result of that decision. And we have lost 14 rural hospitals because of that decision. And here's why. When a, a person of, of meager means in a rural environment, which is less populous, goes to get care and then can't pay for it, it causes those hospitals to go bankrupt. And right. then those areas lose access to those facilities. And my personal opinion is if a group like Vanderbilt University Medical Center wants to build further out from the center of Nashville, let them. Oh, uh, right. It's not, the, it's not the ideal solution to this to these hospital closures or the lack of expansion of Medicaid, but it certainly doesn't hurt to it, get it as far out of town, access to healthcare as far out of major cities as possible. Exactly. It allows the rural folks that we know the reason why we're so successful in Murfreesboro that St. Thomas is, is because of all the rural counties that don't have a hospital that are pulling uh, to Murfreesboro. Um, let's talk about that, uh, and you made such a great point there, Andy, about 
um, you know, the accessibility. We hear that from the politicians all of the time. Doesn't this help solve the accessibility problem? And furthermore, you touched on this earlier, the economic impact. I mean, sir, listen, this is would we say no to John Hopkins if they wanted to build a, a oh, hospital? No, would we no. say no to the Mayo Clinic? Vanderbilt is the same status uh, globally recognized as John Hopkins or the Mayo Clinic, the, one of the best hospitals in the world. But the economic impact, Andy, touch on that. I mean, surgeons make a lot of money. So do nurses and people that work at hospitals, not to mention the one just the, right off the bat, $135 million construction prog- project. This would raise the standard of living for people in Rutherford County. Do, do you believe that, Andy? Oh, for miles around Cannon County as well, right? In so, perpetuity. And- yeah, and not that they really need much help, but Eastern Williamson County definitely would. And Williamson Medical Center fought fought for, fought against this hospital as well. They sure did. I think that's a huge project. You know, Murfreesboro sees a, a project of that magnitude come around once in a generation. Right. Just Let's just put it into context mm-hmm. of, in terms of not only the value of construction, but the the number of jobs, not only the number of jobs which people harp on all the time, which is the wrong statistic, but the quality of the jobs and what those jobs pay. And I, and I have to say that uh, I'm really, and, and I welcome them, I challenge them. I pray that, that our legislative delegation and our, our county and city government will prove me wrong. They seem to show a, a strong aptitude for bringing in RV centers, uh, those kind of things, uh, Costco's, and I know they pay great for what they are. But show us that you can do something like Vanderbilt University Medical Center and and make that happen. And I'm just I have to be clear. I'm disturbed that I mean, all we heard in the DNJ in the post for weeks when Costco was coming was all the speculation. It's a secret. And then then it comes out. It's article after article. And we've heard virtually nothing about this. And that is honestly not the fault of the media because they're trying to cover it, but there's nothing to cover they're, because it feels like nobody's fighting for us. Nobody's saying anything. I write. And, and you know, Andy, one of the things that this is this goes across both party lines. There are Republicans that are just as outraged about this. There are Sean Wright. Sean Wright immediately comes to mind. Our new council member. He has been quite vocal about it as well. And he's one of the few. Right. And so. Correct. Um, but but at least we've got one city councilman that's fighting for it. And even though uh, we don't necessarily ideologically line up with Sean Wright, we both know when something is good for our community and will help the people here long term. So, Andy, where can folks reach out if they want to try to help uh, this commission? Do you have that handy? Uh, where- uh, the, the easiest way for people to remember, because I know the, the way in which people listen to these shows is on the treadmill or in the car or something like that. Uh, if you will go to the Murfreesboro Post's website, uh, and go to the opinion section. You'll you'll find my letter to the editor there, and it has a phone number as well as an email address. If you'd like to to write to them or phone uh, the health service and and development agency and, and urge them, they're supposed to be meeting this month to take this up on appeal. So uh, the game is not lost. Right. And I, I, I highly encourage everyone to reach out to them and encourage them to reverse that decision. It is going to definitely hurt us on the west side of, of Rutherford County. Oh, absolutely. Well, thanks, Andy. And I encourage all of the listeners out there to please get in touch. This is not a finished deal. Vanderbilt still has a chance. They can Ultimately, they could sue if they had to. Uh, they, they might, if the, since they've already purchased the property. 
Um, but anyway, and I will just sorry to yeah, interrupt, Stephen. No. I will just add: call your local county commissioner. Call your call members of the Murfreesboro City Council, Smyrna Town Council. Call your state legislators. That's it. That's also a good place to put pressure. Absolutely. Let those folks know that you're in favor of having a second multi-million dollar hospital in Rutherford County. There is really not much downside that anyone uh, that lives here can see. Thanks for that, Andy. Let's move on to the topic. It's hard to even know where to start. Let me start by this. If you're a fan of this podcast, uh, and I think we're on episode, we're over 50 episodes now, Andy, and I want to thank wow. you for being a part of that. And, uh, but if you're part of this podcast, Andy and I started talking about COVID-19 at least six months ago. I know it was in February. And every time you're on, Andy, we talk about it because we, you know, it seemed like, um, well, there was a lot of misinformation out there. And we're trying to do our best to keep that straight. So much has happened in the last seven days. We have had a um, uh, last week on the last show. J.T. Cooper was talking about the Supreme Court confirmation and how um, this lady that uh, President Trump had nominated uh, should be confirmed. Well, as we were recording that show, they were hosting uh, an event at the Rose Garden, right, Andy? And it seems like, boy, that's turned out to be more than just an event at the Rose Garden. Uh, is that For what you're sure. reading I, and understanding? That is what my understanding is, and I, I just think it's such a silly, frivolous thing, to be honest, given what we're, what's going on right now with the pandemic. Look, my feelings are, are unlike a lot of Democrats that, you know, it, most things in politics, if somebody can get away with something, they're going to do it. So I know that we do have to sort of howl and complain a little bit because of what happened with, with Merrick Garland, but... At the same time, they can push this nomination through uh, all they want. You know, we, there's nothing that the Democrats can do to, to stop it. So right. that's that's not my problem. What I want to make sure we do is is make sure everybody understands what's at stake. You hear a lot of things about LGBTQ and uh, abortion rights as it relates uh, to this nominee. But frankly, that is not really why they're nominating her. They're nominating her to kill the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, uh, that, that's really the plan. They want to kill Obamacare um, and pre-existing conditions along with it. And I, I don't put any stock in an executive order that says they're going to protect that uh, at all. So, I mean, that's really what this is about. We can't stop it. I think we'd be better served putting our energy towards reminding people what's at stake on November 3rd relative to the ACA. I, I think that that I, I think, hey, I think abortion, if you're if you're in favor of abor- abortion, it's pretty much it's pretty safe. And I'll tell you why. They've had generations. The Republicans have 40 to years actually, yeah. to actually reverse Roe v. Wade or implement a shadow ban, basically, which means like what they've done in Mississippi, where you make the regulations so restrictive that there ends up being maybe one clinic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have done that just just for the Republican listeners, you, you know. Don't don't fall for that stuff. They they don't really care about that. Uh, they could have done that for years, and they haven't done it. They're using that to get you to send them money, and to get you to vote for them. They they don't 
if they wanted to get rid of it, they could have. Right, and they had. Why didn't they do it in 2016 when they had two years of full full control of the House and the Senate and the presidency? Right, and it's because and that's the same thing with the Supreme Court thing, right? Like, so they already control the court, right? So she she's there. She's the and the ACA is something that's popular, and so that's why they need all like six of the nine justices to be able to get rid of it, particularly someone like her who's hardcore against it right right and and so yeah that's that's absolutely right now the, the, i'm with you executive orders uh are about as worthless as the you know until the next guy comes in and then he gets rid of them that's why i really don't like executive orders anyway but pre-existing conditions uh children staying on their or adult children staying on their parents insurance until they're 26 uh, which i know i can tell you impacts this family with the college students that we've had uh, a lot of families out there that carry their protect their college students with health insurance because they're uh, able to do that. Uh, Back to the pre-existing condition thing. There are so many um, things out there that the Affordable Care Act took care of that did not include necessarily insurance or the mandate to purchase insurance, right? And so really what Donald Trump has done is by eliminating the mandate, he's defunded the ACA, which is actually making a financial situation up there. But you're right, Andy. But here's the you're right. Democrats can't stop uh, this confirmation process. But you know what can? COVID-19. And with yeah. the Senate broke out, and we're not sure if Mitch McConnell can even have a quorum now. And now we're hearing that there are Democratic senators that are refusing to participate uh, unless there is some sort of testing protocol and they know that everyone is safe uh, that would be participating in the confirmation hearing. We're kind of in purgatory, Andy. Uh, any any prediction or thoughts of where we're going to go? Are we going to? Do you think we will actually have a confirmation hearing before the election? I think we will have a confirmation hearing. Like, if if they can come up with a protocol to get those people in the room, we will have a confirmation hearing. Just because I think that the Democrats learned very well uh, what the backlash was for how they handled Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, right? It was um, a disaster. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that I disagree with 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 what they did. I mean, uh, necessarily. Um, I just think it blew up and like the American people disagreed. So it really doesn't matter what Andy Dickey or Stephen Reynolds. It was a political disaster. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was. Mm -hmm. And and we can talk about whether we personally like that or not, or or, or agree with our neighbors on that. Uh, But if they can get COVID under control, uh, as far as protocols and things like that, I think you'll see, I I think you'll see it go through because I think some people on Capitol Hill are coming to the realization uh, that, and, and I kind of agree with this is that sometimes when people want things, you got to let them have it. Yeah. Right. I think, I think the cynic, the, the person that cares about my neighbors wants to protect the ACA. The person that wants to, you know, that's on one shoulder on the other shoulder, the guy who wants to win elections, Andy Dickey would love to see the ACA just get blown up because it's popular. Like, Right. If you if you don't call it Obamacare and you actually poll the public about the different features, like the ones, a few of the ones that you were listing, they're actually highly popular. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, the the angel on my shoulder is trying to stop it from happening. The devil on my shoulder is saying, "Oh, please, just cancel it all." Right. Because it would be it would be really great for people to finally have that wake up call uh, in terms of what they're what they're giving up. So I. 
you know, I think I just you're going to see some performative pushback on the part of Democrats on the Hill. Right. But I don't think that they're really going to try to stop this nomination. Because yeah. you have to do it until let's keep in mind, we have to do it until January. That's correct. Yes. So, so until we've got to get through the inauguration. And I just don't think they want to create another Kavanaugh type situation. I, right. Because it was a it was a um, kind of a disaster that happened there for sure. I think they certainly lost um, a lot of potential middle voter uh, over the, the Kavanaugh deal. Uh, Andy. Let, let, let me let me start with last Sunday. Let's go. So we had the event in the Rose Garden last Sunday with COVID. Uh, that, that was for the confirmation. But as it turns out, it was probably a super spreader event. Uh, I've seen the photo uh, circulating on on social media uh, from that event, and they're just circling heads of folks that are now tested positive, including. Uh, the president of the United States. Now, who we don't know is the vice president of the United States, who was obviously congregating right there uh, without a mask, uh, without obviously certain uh, the CDC guidelines that have been listed. Andy, how does the most important, the two most important people in the world get exposed to one of the most deadliest viruses in the world. How do we let that happen? We wouldn't let a crazy person walk in with a weapon to one of the president's events. How did the security fail us that now we have the two most important people in our government, uh, well, one potentially positive and the other one we're we're not certain. It's kind of, we don't really know about Pence. We've been told he's negative, but he was at those events, so... How it's, does just that, hu- it's just hubris. It, yeah, how does it's that just happen? Hu- hubris. Who is Hope think, Hicks? Who? How does is is Hope Hicks like a general with national security advice that is whispering in the president's ear? And we've got a situation in Russia, or is Hope Hicks bringing him his coffee? I mean, if she really, I, I just it's hard for me to understand how knowing how deadly and contagious this virus is that this has been allowed to happen. I agree. I think if it had been Kaylee McEnany, I could see that because she is the president's mouthpiece to the public, right? Like she is mission critical as as, that role is mission critical. So if she gives it to him, given that she's got to do press avails and and gaggles as they call them and those kind of things, I get it, right? She's got to make contact with the public to keep us informed with the press to keep us informed. If she were to give it to him, I'd say that's one thing, right? But someone that's basically functioning as a personal assistant, mm-hmm. you know, male or female, it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, if his body man had had done that, I think, uh, which is something that a person can honestly do without. A president can do without a body man, as they're called, uh, during times of crisis. They obviously have to go into to the situation room without the body man. So, um it's just it's inexcusable. I think a big picture for me is that there's a few times during this crisis, COVID specific, that have prayed really, really hard. Like I'm not one that wears their religion on their sleeve, but uh, my friend, he got COVID early on. He was on a ventilator for 12 days. He was in the hospital at St. Thomas Rutherford a long time. I can't remember the last time I prayed that hard, like constant all day, every time it entered my mind. I prayed for David Settle so hard after he lost his son because I, I know what that's like. We've been through a similar situation years ago. And I think, uh, you know, 
I prayed hard for the president is where I'm going going with this. Like he is not my favorite person. Right. But this is not good for anybody. Right. This couldn't come at a worse time. Uh, you know, even if you're if you're a political opponent of his, you want him to be good to go on number November third so he can watch himself get beaten, right? So even if it's for selfish reasons, you want him to be okay. So this idea that the left doesn't want the president to be okay is a little bit crazy. Like actually if he were to pass away and the RNC were to replace him with someone uh, that's more appealing than him, that that's that's a net negative, and that's a real possibility if he does pass away. Exactly. It could turn the entire election upside down, and so uh, I agree with you. I don't think that there are many. Now, there may be some very spiteful, ugly people out there oh, that, for sure. that, Always. that, that yeah. are going to say ugly things. But uh, but even at the worst of times, absolutely, I want this president at his 110% best on Election Day. So um, here's my feeling. He let us down. Let me, let yeah. me reiterate that. I felt angry. I worried for him because I, I, it's not just that he's Donald Trump. He's also It's also the office. He's the president. I worried for him and us. Right. And I felt extremely angry and let down with all the information and like the best information and the best resources in the world. He couldn't stop himself from catching this thing. Someone who's in his age group with the comorbidities that you can see with the naked eye. You just it was bad. He let us down. We we shouldn't be going through this right now. And I just think, you know, these people, him, these people around him. I frankly wouldn't trust them to run a church picnic, really, at this point. And it's just, it's totally on brand. It's what we've seen since day one. And people who are, I've noticed a lot of conservative friends voice the same opinion that are sort of like, I'm praying for the president, but gee whiz, how in the world did he let this happen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that is the real question, Andy. That is the real, you know, uh, kind of. I'm really sitting here laughing about the church picnic comment, uh, but you know, it, it really seems that that yes, we have been let down. There, there is a certain degree of responsibility in so many areas. Um, so, anyway, it does seem that we've been let down. Let's move on to the debate. Talking about letdowns, let's move on to the debate, Andy. Wednesday morning after the debate, I got a call from Columbia, Tennessee, in Murray County, and uh, where someone had walked into the Democratic, a Republican walks into the Democratic office in Murray County in Columbia, Tennessee, hands the people there a $100 bill, says, I'm Republican, I've never voted Democrat, but I felt like I had to do something, here's a hundred bucks. And so I got reports of that happening all over uh, Wednesday after the debate of Republicans who were so disgusted with the performance Tuesday night. And once again, I don't want this to be too one-sided, Andy, because, um, you know, obviously I think Joe Biden probably said some things that he regrets. And obviously Chris Wallace did a few things that, uh, uh, you know, really bad moderation. But tell us what you your thoughts on the debate uh, from what you saw. I'm sure you have the same things as everyone else around the world saw, but I would love to hear what you think about the debate from Tuesday night. So I think let's start with some of the comments that, that Joe made. I think he is playing a very dangerous game, just kind of dropping his level down a little bit. 
as, he he should ask Marco Rubio how that worked out for him in 2016. And that that's a, I would encourage him not to do that again. I I know we tend to go high when others go low, and some people are arguing against that, but it does not work on Donald Trump. Right. It, it just it just doesn't. So I, that would be the first thing. The second thing is I noticed really early on, and I think you did too, about he seemed low energy, Donald Trump did. Very low you know? energy. I, I'm, the first comment I made was that he was not on Adderall that night. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever it was, whether it was COVID or that or, or whatever, right? Uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the timeline overall, but uh, he just seemed really low energy. I think, this, listen, Joe Biden won that debate, and I'll tell you why he won that debate. Trump had to go in there, and he had to win back suburban white women, and he had to convince black people that Joe Biden is the Antichrist, and he didn't manage to do either one of those things. And and, and so, so far as that goes, all the talk about him talking over this one or that one or you know, Joe stutter, blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter. The person who had a job, the only job Joe had was not to lose any ground. Right. Not to mess, not to mess it up. Right. Trump had the big hill to climb and he didn't climb it. And that's why we're seeing polls coming out today where he's slipped five points. It doesn't mean people should be complacent on the left. Right. We learned that lesson four years ago, but it does indicate that he is obviously not the winner. I don't know. What were your thoughts on, yeah. on it? Well, same thing. Um, you know, it, it was once again, I thought it was very degrading to the country, uh, even though I felt the same way that Joe Biden did several times. I mean, he shushed the president of the United States. And for a man to be taken to that level, uh, Joe Biden is a respectful human being, as most of us are. Most of us could never imagine doing that to the president of the United States. But unfortunately, we have been taken to this level. And to your point, I think the best strategy would just be to simply ignore that and to not. And I know how hard it is. Look, I call the yes. guy a clown almost daily. Uh, and and I, for my listeners out there, I, once again, I, I don't mean that in a negative way or bad things to happen to this president. I just think he's just a horrible politician. And um, uh, sir, it's a shtick. It's a shtick. It's, it it's is. His thing. It's Trump right? University. I, it's the fake billionaire thing that we're finding out now that there's really it's Trump, Donald Trump. Everything about that is a straw man. Would you agree with that, Andy? I, I would agree. I would say in that sense, and I know this is going to sound quite cynical, but the COVID thing has really worked to his favor, because if you think about what's going, going on over the past, say, week, week and a half, He's had his third campaign manager get arrested. Mm -hmm. um, he's had the story about the fact that he's either broke or tax a tax cheat come out with no substantive rebuttal about that being false. Um, he's got his wife, and you have to excuse my French, saying F, the, F Christmas and F the children, meaning children in cages uh, on our southern border. And it all kind of gets sweeped under the rug of COVID at, the, at this right. stage. So and, and, and hopefully that hopefully that will come back and we can have a national conversation about the, about those things. I don't think it's gotcha journalism. I think it goes to uh, the heart of the election. Do you see yourself in these people and the way they behave and the way they carry themselves or or not? That's really what it's about. 
Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think it's a very fundamental. This is not a policy election. This is an election that's about character and morality and 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 stability. Really, I think is what. And we know who they are. So we're thirty days out. I yeah. thought that was also a mistake that Trump was making on the debate stage was he was attempting to define who Joe Biden is. This is a person who got elected to the United States Senate at 29 years old. I think the, the, the horse is out of the barn on that deal, especially 30 days out. Like, you're not defining who Joe is. You have to be explaining why why you're better for the job at this stage. Like You could have done that six months ago, Yeah, but they – they were busy wasting a billion dollars or whatever. Well, that, that that's where I was going to go. We we have said on previous podcast, Andy, I've heard you say that that had the president taken this virus seriously, had he implemented the strict measures that would have been required that the rest of the world implemented that we did not, had he done those things and taken this serious, he probably would be reelected in thirty days. Oh, he would run. He would have run away with it. Yeah. He would have run. He would have run away with it because incumbents have a, a, particularly incumbent presidents have a tremendous advantage. I mean, at this stage, barring a crisis, like putting a crisis aside, he should be up twenty points. Right. And then if you're a, a president who is in the midst of fighting a war or something like that, that's forty. That could be as high as a forty point spread. And here he is down. 14 points today. Yeah. And uh, that, that's the real story. People keep saying, well, it could be like 2016. Like, no, no. Let's remember, this is the the sitting president of the United States. Yes, the incumbent is down that many yes. points. Also, on Hillary's best day, she was up eight points uh, on her best day in any of the polls. The folks that want to talk about the polls being wrong, uh, the polls were actually very accurate uh, just because you have to, underst- you have to understand what a poll yeah. is, right? It's not yeah. – I had this – I used to have this argument in – the corporate world, Andy. There's there's a budget and there's a forecast, right? And the forecast yeah. is not the budget anyway. That's what a poll is. It's a forecast. That's all it is. It's a, uh, but but typically very close. But uh, but the one that I saw today that should be the most disturbing to the president is his uh, in 2016 Hillary Clinton. Uh, it was about 60 40 people over 60 were 60 percent Donald Trump, 40 percent Hillary Clinton. Today, people over 60 are 70% Joe Biden, 30% Donald Trump. That came out wow. this morning. He's probably going to lose Florida. And as you know, Andy, if he loses Florida, Biden's now up five in Florida and up eight in Pennsylvania. If he loses Florida, though, it's it's game over, right? That's the ball game, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the ball game. And I, I just think this COVID thing can't be helping him. And I'll tell you why. Because and he not for the reasons he thinks like the stunt that he pulled today to go riding around in the car. I hope everybody in those everybody in that SUV follows the CDC guidelines and quarantines after that because that I mean that if they follow if they follow Trump's own CDC and it's part of the executive branch to remind everyone, then those people would have to quarantine for what is it ten or fourteen days? Fourteen days, days right? yeah. But I don't think that stunt's going to play like like he thinks, and I, I don't think this whole situation is because if he if he comes home tomorrow, then people are just going to say, well, he's getting care that nobody else gets access to, like, and it just draws more attention to the inequality in our healthcare system, right? Um, and and the kind of gangster capitalism that's going on and games being played with people's lives. It's just going to highlight that even further. But at the same time, as well. It, 
he went to that Bedminster event knowing that he had been like prolonged exposure to Hope Hicks, who tested positive. Mm-hmm. And he went anyway. And he went anyway because he's broke. Yeah. The campaign the was campaign broke. Is broke. He had, he, he yeah. had to go. Yeah. And I just think anybody who's reasonable who looks at that will say, that doesn't have anything to do with Joe Biden. Right. That has, that's nothing to do with Joe. That That's Trump making that kind of really sort of evil decision to put other people at risk. The, did you know, and, and if you, you know, you have to take these reports with a grain of salt, uh, that they're saying that the White House employees were not even notified right. that they heard it from the media. Number Chris one. Christie. And I, well, I don't know about the employees because that was a leak. Yeah. But Chris Christie himself yeah. said on live television that no one even called him to tell him. Right. And he was and preparing he, the president for the debate. Yeah, in a room, a closed room with them mm-hmm. for days. Yes. Days. And they didn't even bother to pick up the phone. I think what the, the issue is with that is that to do contact tracing might show that Trump himself is, is the is the super spread. Is the source, right. Very yes. well could. And so that you were talking about the timeline earlier. So we had the uh, Supreme Court uh, party in the Rose Garden, which really accomplished nothing. I mean, it was really just a party for this lady's frivolous. The word you're looking for is frivolous. Yeah, it was a frivolous event. And then we had the debate and then we had the uh, the fundraiser event and a now, couple hang of, on now uh-huh. a couple of points to what you're the timeline you're bringing up right this frivolous event was not just outdoors they all went indoors oh yeah there was a reception inside yeah 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 that's crazy second thing about the debate they refused to wear masks around the Bidens and they were having symptoms at least Donald Trump must have been that's where I was going Andy was the yeah. president knowingly infected and showed up to that debate that's what i want to know that's what i'd like to know as well Mm -hmm. uh and i'm sure joe biden would too and we'll we'll send prayers out to uh, the former vice president as well i know he has tested negative but here's the thing andy you and i've talked about this so many times it takes time for this virus to manifest itself in different people some people it might take two days, some people it might take 10 days before they actually start showing symptoms or have any inclination, and some people may never show any symptoms or have no idea that they've had it and have passed it on to other people. Um, We only know about this, just to be clear, because of leaks. Yeah. So the news about Hope Hicks did not come from the White House. Let's just be clear. This, I think they were planning to keep it secret, and it got away from them. Yeah, and that's just unbelievable to me. And if you are a fan of transparency from your government, if you believe that politicians should tell the truth and be honest, and uh, especially of matters of public health all the time, I just can't see how this has happened. And maybe don't try to blame the cops and the military for infecting Hope Hicks. That, that would be a good start. Well, let's I mean, just be he honest. Went on, he, went on Fox, he went on Fox and basically said that. So I... You know, people can watch the video for themselves. Right. And, and oh gosh, I'm, I'm trying to not go low, Andy, but there are reports that Hope has had relations with multiple people, multiple staffers, has been dating well, I don't, Ms. Hicks. I don't know and, about that, but, it, you know, if there's anybody that went to the White House in the eighth grade, they know that is that is a that is a building from not this century, right? And so right. if you have somebody who 
is you know you've got people whose clo- whose offices are basically closets that they share with another person. Right. So if you've got someone ru- running around the White House who has COVID nineteen, it's a huge problem. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think they're going to have to fumigate the entire White House. I mean, it'll have to be completely disinfected. I mean, uh, that's. Uh, I think Melania is there now, still, and is positive with COVID. So. Um, anyway, just what a mess. Andy, I want to move on to one more. T- anything else on the president that you'd like to, and I'm sure it might circle back, but. I just think, uh, I, I just think you let us down. Yeah. I mean, you can disagree with somebody's politics and I, you know, it's probably, you could probably tell by my comments that, that I didn't vote for him and I don't support him, but the office of the presidency is to be respected and you have to be able to rely on them to do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and so far, you know, they 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 get caught up in shady stuff, particularly externally with right. foreign policy. But internally, I expect someone not to go to a fundraiser and infect people and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And I just he and then, frankly, you know, he wants to say that everybody hates him and is wishing him harm. Uh, that's not his diehard supporter. That's really not true. Like, it's not fun to watch your 401k implode because the president was irresponsible. Yeah, so, right. Right, yeah, exactly. So, like, and, just uh, do better. That's what I would say. Surely you can do. And he was proactively demanding people take off their masks in his presence. It's just silly. Right. If you think that this is someone who needs to be running the country, I don't know how to help you. I really don't. Right, right. That's very plain spoken, Andy. Well, you touched on the economy right there, and you're exactly right. And that's where I was going with this. We have said that uh, not just Stephen Reynolds, Andy Dickey, and other folks, uh, the Howard Baker Center for Public Policy at the University of Tennessee. Lots of smart folks, Andy. We cannot get the economy back on track until we have a handle on this virus. We've been saying this for six months. Andy, do you think a Biden administration will roll out a national plan so that we can get a hold and get our economy back to going? I, I think I think well that's what exactly I'm stuttering you know that's my that's my shout out to Joe right, yeah, right. there <laughs> yeah but I think that's the first thing we see yeah I don't think it's a first hundred days thing I think it's a first days thing he's got some of the best and brightest working for him he's already been through one of these I wish <laughs> I wish we'd see that more uh, brought up having gone through the financial crisis and having been right on the front lines of it uh, with Barack Obama. He has a lot of experience in that area, and he's got a pretty huge Rolodex there. I think you see something day one. I think yeah, uh, I, I do too. Not, I don't think it's just about stimulus. It's about how you make the decisions about doing things in real time too. Right. So you can make the wrong decisions, you know, day to day that really stack up that bring bring us to this point. Andy, prior to this pandemic. You were traveling all over the world. You were in China. I talked to you one week you're in China, one week you're in Finland, uh, all over the world doing business. How long has it been since you've been able to go back out and do business in the world? February. So you've been at home since February. I know a lot of other professionals that are just like you, and it has changed the way that business is being done right now. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Are you, as an American, because we are not able to travel to certain countries, does that put you at a competitive disadvantage at this point? It it definitely does. It definitely does. Because if, you know, we're, uh, 
not to get too much into to, uh, where I work and all that stuff, you know, I try to keep that separate. But well, we're one of the big dogs on the block. And the way a big dog on the block can be given some trouble is when a local upstart chihuahua wants to go and, and meet with your customer that's local to them that you can't reach. That's always because we have been banned from traveling there because of our yes. handling of the coronavirus. Yeah, I know of cases over the summer where my competitors have been able to call my clients and I can't do it. I mean, I can do it digitally, but it's just really not it's just really not the, the same thing. It's really not, Andy. And so millions of American professionals just like yourself have been put at this huge disadvantage because of our government's policy towards this virus. Yeah, definitely. There's mm-hmm. no getting around that. And I think that's why you see articles coming out uh, that I think it was Yale did a poll of American CEOs, you know, a confidential poll. Uh, well, most of them really are a blind poll that basically said they're, they, they're abandoning Trump for that reason alone. Just that reason alone. Right. And of course, now we'll hear, you know, there'll be pushback. Oh, Biden's the Wall Street guy and all of that. You know what? I, none of that matters None of it matters. None of the ambitions, none of the policies, nothing matters until this virus is under control. Right, Andy? As far as economics go. Yeah, none of it matters until that's handled. I think, you know, and if they want to lodge that complaint at Joe, have at it. What would you rather have, the opioid guy? Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, uh, that's our system. If you don't like our system, then why do you elect people? that appoint judges that allow Citizens United to happen. That That's my clap back on that. Like, you did that. Right. right not Joe exactly. and not the Democratic Party. Exactly. You did that. So maybe connect your, your votes with reality starting November 3rd, 2020. Absolutely. Well, and Andy, so do you think we'll wake up tomorrow morning and see the stock market react to President Trump's COVID not because you know obviously this came out late Friday or late Thursday maybe and the market reacted a little bit Friday do you think we'll see much reaction personally and it, you know you'll see a reaction I'll tell you what that what I mean by that is that you know nothing is something right, right so right. it's really this week's stock market is going to be a referendum on how relevant he is I think that's a great point. I, I noticed when earlier in the year when Trump started kind of closing the gap a little bit, I noticed the market was tanking <laughs> because I think that there were some folks afraid that he might actually win re-election. I uh, could be wrong. Maybe I'm just reading, uh, you, being biased you reading be, into that. You may be wrong, but you're not crazy for thinking that, right? right. Or at least, right. you know, speculating that that's a factor. I just think if the market hardly moves tomorrow – and he's at Walter Reed and can't go home, then right. that tells you people think that the president really doesn't matter at this moment in time, that yeah. that his impact is is minimal insofar as the economy goes. Absolutely. One more thing, Andy. Um, we've seen because we've seen the government draw back because of the lack of tax revenue, uh, whether it be the gas tax. People drove a lot less in the spring whether it be uh, uh, property taxes, you know, for funding the schools. We've seen, we've seen governments contract in anticipation or because they are receiving less revenues. What do you think, what do you predict in the next six months, Andy? Do you think we're going to get some more relief from the federal government? Do you think we can afford it? And do you think the local folks are going to realize 
that they've got to turn this money loose in order to keep a lot of these programs going? Well, I don't think we have, you know, asking if we can afford it is a funny question. I, I know. Because, I knew you were going to say that, right? Well, yeah. because it, it, it doesn't take into account our priorities. So we find the money to buy, to buy joint strike fighters. And we, we, I don't think the average American understands, and I'm an Army brat, and my wife's an Air Force brat. We, we grew up in the military culture. I don't think people realize that the top four militaries – in the world are all U.S. military branches, right. like Army, Navy. Like you could just all the top if they were separate, right? Right. If they were and, their own country, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If they were their own country's armed forces, so and it doesn't even everybody else's spending doesn't even come close, right? And, and so that's what the the utter and complete silliness of Trump always talking about NATO and running NATO down. It's just dumb. That's that's just a drop in the bucket compared to what we just spend. If, even if we didn't have NATO in existence, what we would spend, it far outweighs any of that. So I think it, set the priorities. If you feel like you don't have enough money, um, I think, you know, pre-K through Ph.D. should be free in this country. Right. And people think, oh, you're a socialist. No, look at the numbers. It pays dividends. What the taxpayer would spend to do that would get paid back. Like in you know Threefold. you get make money yes yeah because right. because of that person the, the impact on that person's earnings yes and w- what the additional amount they would pay in taxes because of that increase in earnings but nobody wants to have a conversation about that right it's like giving them a raise or giving them a tax break right but instead this is much more this is that that would be universal pre K uh, for all yeah. kids of course yeah uh, I think so lots why of why you know if. It's because it's an ideological thing. That battle right. was won and lost on the radio, right. not in real life. Right. You know, no offense to the radio, but that—that's where that battle was was won and lost. Was there, not at, not out in reality. Right. Um. And I think that's what, if anything comes out of any of this, I the budget, the economics, any of that is that. Um, I hope that the rhetoric collides with people's lived experience for a change. I think if they could just wake up and recognize that, hey, the math is real. I mean, that's why we did Tennessee Promise with the free associate's degree in Tennessee is because we we ran the Haslam ran the numbers. And he's like, well, whoa, you know, this people's added income and the bigger houses that they would buy and the more money they'd spend at the store is going to translate into stable lives, a better Tennessee, right? Exactly, tax a brighter revenues. future, higher tax revenues. Exactly, yeah, More yeah. Well, jobs but, and it just feed off of itself, but but you can't get like people. There were there are people that will tell you they're against it. Oh, why are we doing that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, we can find. We always find the money if we want to buy a bomb. Well, I I, people much. talk about the dead Andy, but then they don't want to talk about the fact that eighty percent of the American people own the debt right and yeah. so that we yeah. actually own our own debt nobody really wants to go into that they want to say it's china they want to say it's japan and yes they do have a big chunk but it's nothing compared to what we owe our own people uh for the money that we have borrowed andy i gotta to touch one last thing um chris hale who we have both endorsed uh wholeheartedly in multiple ways uh, you and i have he is uh, scheduling a debate tomorrow night with the incumbent scott desherlay uh uh-huh. yeah i don't know if scott's going to show up I, there's some indicate it's going to be in warren county 
Um, what do you think about that race, Andy? How do you think Chris is doing in that race that he's running? Do you think Desjardins is going to show up? Well, I don't think he'll show up because he'll get smoked. I don't know if you saw the the Harrison-Graham debate, Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison last night. Harrison mopped the floor with him, and this is a guy who's been in the Senate for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, I think the same thing would happen to Scott Desjardins. I think Chris would mop the floor with him, right. and, and, and I think Scott knows that too, and I think he's going to avoid the debate because, you know, Chris Hale can turn a phrase. We, we know that about him, and he's right to be afraid of him in that, it, you know, in that regard. Um, I think as far as that race goes, Joe's performance in Tennessee – is going to be a big factor. And actually, in Chris's race, if Joe creates a high enough floor, because people have the tendency to vote the same way right on down the ticket, especially if it's a protest vote or they're upset with the status quo, I think we have a pretty good chance if Joe's floor is 42%, 43% in that neighborhood because the 4th District uh, Democrat almost, not always, but almost always significantly outperforms the presidential candidate on on the Democratic ticket. Right, so right. Then, then you start to layer on all the hard work he's done, mm-hmm. how well-known he is in the district because of growing up here, not being from South Dakota, you know, right. like Scott. You know, you start to layer all these things on there. He starts to have a fighting chance. So I guess we'll just see. You know? I, I, I'm with you. I think if Biden really is at 42 in Rutherford County, which is one of the, some of the things that I've heard and about what I would expect. And if Chris performs traditionally what um, like what I performed against Hillary Clinton, if he adds that to Biden's account, uh, this could be a real race come November or it could be yeah. much closer, certainly moving the needle forward uh i hope i hope he gets more than a hundred thousand votes i got 90 i don't like that phrase moving the needle i just have to well, say okay, i like okay. i like drawing blood drawing That's blood i like yes. drawing blood a, a little bit better yeah okay Sorry. well i hope that he's able to draw blood um yes. and one other thing i gotta ask you about this so shane reeves uh, state senator from here in tennessee is running commercials yeah. um Andy, is that a setup for his 22 congressional run? It sure looks like it for, to it's me. It's a setup for something, and I think the leading candidate for what it's a setup for is that congressional race. Uh, I think it should. I think it would be a really interesting race depending on who, number one, who is his Republican opponent, yep. and number two, who is his Democrat opponent. Who is going to have the guts to bring up Shane's personal history? Um, you know, because I just think that's a liability. You yeah, know, that's there, it. and there's just no get. There's just no getting around uh, how the money's been made and and things that have gone on here in Rutherford County. I just you know, and I'm sure he's a nice man, but there's just uh, you know on a person to person level. Uh, but it's pretty difficult to escape one's past. So Well, I think uh, certainly when that happens and you get into politics, then you start really finding out how thick someone's skin is, um, yeah. you know, because uh, because I don't think there's any doubt the gloves will come off if that's the case uh, regarding some of that. But, Andy, it's been a real pleasure uh, having you on the Man in the Middle podcast. Any last words for our listeners? I hope uh, we can get you on before the election one more time, but if not, I'm certain we'll catch up after the election. Anything you'd like to add to our listeners? Yeah, I, I want to challenge the listeners to, to stop taking this hired gun mentality and, and think about when they look at a candidate, do I see myself in, in this candidate? Uh, would I do the things that they have done in their in their personal and professional life? And do I trust them to do the right thing going forward, even if it's not something that I agree with 100% of the time? 
And after you take that good, long, hard look, go vote. Go vote based on that. Do not miss your chance to be heard. That's right, folks. Early voting starts in Tennessee in a couple of weeks. And so we hope that uh, everyone is safe and gets out and practice, follows the CDC guidelines. If you plan on voting in person, if you plan on voting in mail, I hope you've already requested your absentee ballot from the state of Tennessee. Uh, we think both ways are perfectly acceptable. I feel confident that the Secretary of State of Tennessee will handle that in a professional way in our local uh, election offices. So whichever way you want. Andy Dickey, thank you so much for joining the man in the middle this week. Look forward uh, to hearing back from you again, especially when this election is over. Uh, we'll have some metrics. I know you're a numbers guy like I. We'll have some metrics to chew on and so that we can see if we've drawn blood this time. All righty. Thank you, Stephen. All right. Thanks, Andy. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle, and I'll see you next week. I've created a monster, because nobody wants to see Marshall no more. They want shady. I'm chopped liver. Well, if you want shady, this is what I'll give you. A little bit of me mixes some hard liquor, some vodka that'll jumpstart my heart quicker than a shock when I get shocked at the hospital by the doctor when I'm not cooperating. When I'm rocking the table while he's operating. You waited this long to stop debating, because I'm back. I'm on the rag and ovulating. I know that you got a job, Miss Cheney, but your husband's heart problem's complicating. So the FCC won't let me be, or let me be me, so let me see. They try to shut me down on MTV, but it feels so empty without me. So come on and dip, come on your lips, jump back, jiggle a hip, and wiggle a bit, and get ready. Cause this is about to get heavy, I just settled all my lawsuits. Fuck you, Devin. Now,